I just wanted to say a special thanks to the Snyders. We love you guys and are so thankful uh, for the open door. Um, it's, it's been our privilege uh, to be here at AFA a couple times over the years and just have fallen in love um, with, the, with the church and with the, uh, those that lead it. And we, we just are so appreciative of that. Um, if you're interested, back in the foyer, um, we have some of our ministry materials back there. And in fact, would you put the picture of our family up? Um, this is our crew. Rochelle and I have three adult sons. If you were here last night, you heard this, but these are my favorite people, so you've got to give me a moment to talk about them. On the top left is our oldest son, Braden, and his wife, Olivia, and they're in ministry in Columbus, Ohio. And then on the top uh, right is our middle son, Dolan, and his wife, Isabel, and she's probably leading worship right now. They're both staff pastors at a church in Austin, Texas, and he's a youth pastor. And then the middle is our youngest guy, Barrett, and he has uh, just this week started his senior year at SAGU, which is kind of like Trinity Bible College, but it's in Texas. There's like cactuses and more burritos, and I mean, it's uh, uh, lots of rodeo and whatever, but, uh, but those are our guys. He's actually, I think, playing worship at the church he serves at right now. But that's our crew, and for the last 30 years, um, God has uh, dragged us around everywhere, every state, and like, I don't know, 70-some nations now. It's crazy. Um, teaching on the Holy Spirit. And every week, we're in a different city somewhere ministering. Last week, we were in, where were we last week? Somewhere, my wife says, that's so awful. It's getting more difficult the older we get, right? How many attest to that? Um, but we're in Oklahoma. That's right. We were in McAllister, Oklahoma. And then uh, we're here now. How many of you are here now? Okay, about half of you, good. And, uh, and then, this church does not pull well, I'm just telling you, all right? Um, and then, how many of you are alive? Still not everyone raises their hand, okay? Um, so, and then uh, next week, if you pray for us, we, we fly home tomorrow, and uh, we're home for about 20 hours, and on Tuesday, um, we hop on a plane and we head to Africa. We'll be in Kenya and Tanzania uh, for the next two weeks. And then the next week we're in Pennsylvania and I don't know where we're at anyway. But, but keep us in prayer. All of that to say, um, I hope you'll remember us in prayer. And there are prayer cards back there if you'd remember us in prayer. And then there are also some books and other materials back there that will be a blessing um, if you're interested in them. Um, people always say things like, you know, what's the newest or what's the, if I can just grab one thing. And let me hold up a couple things real quick. Oh, thanks, Pastor. Um, this is the newest one, Goodbye Chicken, Hello Dove. It's a lot of fun. It'll help you understand the Holy Spirit um, in brand new ways, and I think will be a blessing in your life. And then this morning, our subject is um, baptism in the Holy Spirit. We'll get there in just a second. And this little book, Want More, will change your life on this. If you have a lot more questions, or maybe you're new to this, this would be a super great help, or also kind of a side benefit. Sometimes um, receiving this gift of the Holy Spirit's power, baptism in the Spirit, is so deeply personal. And sometimes people are wired up to be rather private or maybe even introverted. And to come forward in a service like this to receive from God with everybody else around, it just cuts against every part of your wiring. That's not a problem at all. You can receive by yourself. But sometimes people don't really pray and seek intensely when they're by themselves to receive this gift from God because they don't feel the stirring that like being in a service, hearing the teaching. This book is super helpful for loners to receive. And over the years, we've had so many testimonies of people uh, that have received this beautiful gift from God in that way. But anyway, there's all kinds of other materials back there. Um, we also have some media cards. They're like USB drives that have like a Bible school on the Holy Spirit. It goes through every gift, the Spirit, all kinds of the identity of the Spirit, how we, we 
interact with him. I mean, it's back there. Rochelle has those, and you can grab like one of everything. You can be so sick of us, you won't know what to do with yourself. Grab one of it, all of the books and that media card for a special price, and that goes, all those proceeds go to help get rid of us and send us overseas. So if you really want us to go far away, that's a great way to do it, all right? Well, our subject this morning is spirit baptism, and uh, when we talk about spirit baptism, uh, for some people, they're like, oh yeah, I know what that is, and other people go, wait a minute, is that where you get, they, they fill the jacuzzi, do you have a portable, or is it hidden away somewhere? Portable, okay, so sometimes they roll the pool in, sometimes they secretly uncover it, it's like, go, go, gadget, baptistry, and that happens, you know, and, um, but um, people go, wait a minute, water baptism, so the Bible shows us that um, after we are saved, that an obedient action of a Christian is to declare that faith through water baptism, but it's more than an outward sign. It's actually an inward sign because we are identifying with the Lord and His death, burial, and resurrection, the cleansing metaphor. And when you get baptized, the you is a Christian. That's why here at AFA, uh, why we choose to not baptize infants not because we believe it's sinful or, or, or organically wrong. It's just not the most biblically up-to-date way of doing things. The Bible shows us that after Jesus rose again from the dead, the only people the church baptized were people that had already themselves chosen to follow the Lord and they were indeed born again or saved. So that's why we instead we present or dedicate babies like Samuel or like Jesus was presented. Matter of fact, I think presentation Sunday's coming up quickly on the calendar. So so that's when you get baptized in water, the you is a Christian. It's after you're saved. And I just a side note, I encourage you, if since you've given your life to Christ, you have not of your own volition been baptized in water, that is an obedient action that needs to be on the top of your to-do list um, to, to show your devotion to the Lord, and he'll reveal things to you. You'll share in his identity in a richer way. The you as a Christian, the person that is dunking you, just needs to be another believer, but it's often a leader. And what are they dunking you in? It's not a trick question. Water, right? And so, of course, the cleansing metaphor and symbolism and, and profound spiritual meaning. Now, spirit baptism, what we're talking about today, the you, the person that's being baptized in the Holy Spirit, is someone that is already saved. The Bible goes out of its way to show us that the only people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Bible uh, were people after their salvation. They had put their faith in Christ, sometimes like Acts 10, like immediately, you know, they're like saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And maybe some of you have experienced that. You get put your faith in Christ and immediately baptized in the spirit, kind of cool. But the person dunking you is not a human being, it's Jesus. Only Jesus can baptize people in the Holy Spirit. And what is he dunking us in? He's dunking us in not just the Holy Spirit's power, but he's dunking us in the Holy Spirit himself. And that little nuance is a big deal because um, some people think, well, you know, when you get baptized in the Spirit, you receive an acceleration of spiritual power in your life, which is true. And they think, well, Jesus is just like, uh, he's giving you a bigger bazooka or something like that, you know, giving you higher voltage. He's rewiring you from a 12-volt battery and a three-phase 440 alternating, you know, or whatever it is. But and that's true on some level, but Jesus is clear. He's not just baptizing us in the Holy Spirit's power for the utility of it. He's baptizing us in the Holy Spirit himself for the relationship of it. 
And there's this relational connection that is involved in being baptized in the Spirit and the prayer and seeking time and the experience itself and in the afterwards that is so enriching that it ends up being a spiritual game changer in your life. When you get baptized in water, if it's done properly, you get wet. And churches argue of how wet you need to be, but anyway, you get wet, right? Uh, but when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you get more spiritual power. In fact, how many of you that have already experienced spirit baptism would say, aside from salvation, it's been the biggest thing that's happened for you spiritually in your life, an absolute game changer. In fact, I know it's a core component of your pastors, of the Snyders, and of the Wildmans, and of all the previous pastors and leaders here, and all the staff here. Um, this is a major deal. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, my spiritual life went to a different level, not like I began to look down on the other, you know, mere Padawans, and now I was a Jedi master, not like that kind of a thing. But the acceleration of the things of God in my life uh, took to an entirely different plane. And and I want to explain this here in just a, a, a few minutes before we go to a season of prayer, because I, I want us to have an opportunity to receive this gift from God today. And some of you maybe have never even heard about this, or some of you have heard about it, maybe even sought and prayed about this, but if for whatever reason that it's always been difficult or you've uh, had a hard time, it felt like, in receiving it. I've been praying and asking the Lord that he would make this service, this moment today, to be the easiest place for God uh, to pour out his spirit and for us to receive. And some of you, you received this gift way back when, back at like Abraham and Sarah's engagement party or something like that. And it's been a long time. And that old hymn of the church, you've lost that love and feeling, uh, kind of applies to you about this. It's like it's just something in your rear view mirror. God has a fresh encounter for you. The Bible models to us that we as believers can keep on going back and getting drenched again in more of his Holy Spirit. In fact, probably we should never disconnect from that, that flow of power into our lives. So with that in mind, we're going to skip some of that introductory stuff, and we're going to go right to the scripture slides if we can. And I'm going to ask you to do something with me. Would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word? We're going to read together off the screen. Here's the portion. We're going to read um, right after Jesus had died and risen again from the dead. He's standing on the Mount of Olives getting ready to ascend to heaven. And he gives this promise to the, uh, the believers and turn us that even though John dunked in water, in a few days Jesus would dunk them, drench them in the Holy Spirit and they would receive this empowering and then the second portion we're going to read is that few days later, the day of Pentecost, AD 30, when Jesus first drenched his followers in the Holy Spirit. You ready to read with me? Give it your best attention. Get it in your eye sockets, in your coconut, in your mouth, back in your ears. Let's just let the Word of God just uh, saturate us today. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, 
and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that your word would shape not only our thinking, but also our futures and our actions and our goals. Lord, I thank you that you didn't call us to be the richest person in the world or the most of this or the most that. You called us to discover that we are children of the Most High God and, and to have you walk with us and, and experience life with us and to grow so that one day when we're with you forever in heaven and then we are indeed the richest people in the world because uh, we're with your fullness, Lord, that, that we would know you and experience you in every way. And I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help each one of us as a subtext today, grow in our own personal desire to not just know about you, but to know you. Reveal yourself to us today, Jesus, not only as Savior and healer, but also as the one who baptizes, drenches his followers in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Amen. You can be seated if you like. Uh, so let's dive in real quick. Um, just so you know, in a few minutes, we're going to go to prayer. I'm going to end a little early, but not end like get out early. We're going to end as in I'm going to end the teaching time early. So we have some time to pray. Is it okay if we pray in church? Yeah. All right. And how many know prayer usually starts out a little awkward and clunky and your mind wonders? Anybody else have spiritual attention deficit disorder or is it just me, right? But how many have found that if you just kind of apply some effort in prayer that God really helps you? And so push through that first minute or two where your mind wonders, and we're going to pray. And even if you don't feel like you're on the professional Olympic prayer team, you know, like you didn't make the cuts or whatever, um, I challenge you, try it today. The normal way in the Bible, and still today, that people receive from God is through prayer. And the good thing about prayer is that it's really easy. Bad prayer is no prayer at all or praying to someone else other than God. Good prayer is you just calling on the Lord. It doesn't have to do with the content or substance or grammar of that. So we're going to pray today. Maybe some of you will find greater liberty in your prayer life and, and greater fulfillment in that way too. But we're going to pray and we're going to seek the Lord together for a few minutes. And if a lot of times Christians try to sneak out, like in the moment, bow your heads and they're like, let's beat the Baptist to the Golden Corral or whatever it is, you know. Um, but but I want to tell you, if anyone tries to sneak out at that moment, that is like, it's tacky. I'm just telling you, all right? And I'm going to pray punitive food poisoning on you, all right? It's probably a, a moral deficit of mine, but I just believe that chocolate fountain is going to have a little salmonella in it for you, all right? Um, but I want, want us to pray, and, and people go, well, that's awkward. Yeah, it is awkward. And let's embrace that. Because isn't it awkward kind of being human? How many humans do we have here today? I'm serious. You poll terrible. I love South Dakota. I love Aberdeen, but you got to work on your polling. All right. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna draw near to him. All right. Just want to let you know kind of what's going on and and push through. Allow God to really work in your life. He has something great for us. God loves to sneak up and heal people. And let's just this is welcome as goodness today. All right. So let me give you a definition of what is baptism in the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this definition just for a moment. So it is baptism in. Some people make the mistake and call it baptism of the Holy Spirit, which significantly changes the whole thing. 
It is Jesus baptizing us as Christians in his Holy Spirit. Um, baptism of the Holy Spirit would make it an activity of the Holy Spirit, not an activity of Jesus. And a real easy way to remember it, to make it simple, do you get baptized in water or of water? In water, it's the same thing. You get baptized in water, Jesus baptizes, drenches us in his Holy Spirit. So spirit baptism is the prophesied empowering of the Holy Spirit. Let's stop there. Who's the greatest prophet of the Old Testament? Like the big one. What was his name? Moses. I mean, he's the, he's the guy that wrote the big five, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the Torah. Uh, he, he bore a startling resemblance to Charlton Heston, which gives me a segue into this. I have a memory of this church that I met the guy that was a body double for Charlton Heston at this church. Is that person here, or am I losing my mind? Yes? Do you guys know who it is? Okay, I'm dead serious. Okay, all right. We'll talk later. All right, okay. Maybe he's gone. All right, so Moses, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, is the first person to prophesy spirit baptism in Numbers 11, verse 29. One day in the future, this power of the Holy Spirit that's only reserved for special glow-in-the-dark leaders... One day, God will give it to everyone. His spirit will come upon all of his followers, and they'll be verbally, prophetically empowered. It's a big deal, especially back then when only Moses could really encounter God in that way. And there's some other major prophecies. Joel's a big one, Joel 2, 28 and following. That's actually the one Peter uses on the day of Pentecost to explain spirit baptism to the Jewish audience that's there. But Moses, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. Okay, so here's a little bit of a trick question. Who's the greatest prophet of the New Testament? not including Jesus. So think before you answer. John the Baptist. You know why we can say that? Because Jesus said it. In fact, Jesus said he was not only the greatest prophet of the New Testament, but that there's never been a greater man born of woman. So that's like wipes out all of humanity except for test tube babies, right? I mean, that's a pretty amazing statement, right? And so John the Baptist, the greatest prophet of the New Testament, John the Baptist declares spirit baptism in the beginning of all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then who's the greatest prophet of all and priest and king and Messiah and Savior and Son of God and God himself, and we could continue on, but who is that? Jesus. Jesus prophesies that as well. In fact, we read it a moment ago, Acts 1, 4, 5, and 8. Jesus declares this prophetically. So when we say spirit baptism is the prophesied empowering, um, you got all the big guns on this one, plus a lot of smaller players, but so important they made it in the Bible too. But that's where that prophesied word comes from. It's given to followers of Jesus. So um, spirit baptism is always shown in the Bible to be different from and occurring after salvation. So that's really important for us because it's true. When you and I get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. How many have the Holy Spirit inside of you? Right? Somewhere between that donut and that coffee sloshing around right now, the Holy Spirit's got a snorkel on in there living inside. But he lives inside of us. And so we have the Holy Spirit inside. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit inside. But this is an additional empowering from the Holy Spirit. How many always want to be growing anyway that Jesus pours out upon us? So it's only for followers of Jesus. And how many of you are following Jesus? 
Okay, you're getting better at polling now. But that one would have been kind of like socially, okay, I'm not, right? So that's good. All right, so um, it's received through increased intimacy with Jesus. And where we get that is everyone in the Bible that was baptized in the Holy Spirit was shown to take extra steps out of their normal spiritual routine in order to receive this. So that's important. The Bible shows us in Hebrews, he rewards those who diligently seek him. And so you take some extra steps. Maybe you're a, you know, a Sunday morning only person, whatever, and maybe you would never come to the altar and pray or stick around for prayer time. You take extra times or you come crazy, fanatical Jesus Sunday night service out of the blue, you know, tonight. You take those extra steps or take some extra time in your personal prayer time. So it's received through increased intimacy, taking extra steps closer, and then it provides increased supernatural power to minister to other people. That's the main outcome. But again, because God is so relational, he wants to meet with us and tabernacle with us while he's also building and strengthening and doing things in our lives. And so that's really the main outcome. And I think all of us want to do more for the Lord in our lifetime, but we feel underpowered, under-resourced, under-skilled, under-whatever, you know. And so the Holy Spirit, he gives us God's supernatural ability in a greater way uh, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. So beyond that, let me give you two more defining points before we go to prayer today that will kind of help us to understand. And the first one is, is that spirit baptism is biblical. Um, some people go, well, man, I've served the Lord and I've been in church all my life. I'm 867 years old and uh, just 100 years shy of Methuselah, and I've never heard about this before. If, I if it was in the Bible, I would have known about it. Well, the Bible goes out of its way to show us a central theme in the Scripture is that God likes to use for his glory and empower pretty rotten people. You ever notice that? The only one God used that didn't have any problems was Jesus, right? And everybody else, it's like Moses, stuttering murderer on the run, you know? Even before him, how about the worst husband in the Bible, Abraham? You would never have him speak at your marriage conference, would you? Sarah's like, I contest to his, you know... Um, I mean, you got liars, you got, I mean, you know, I mean, there's some rotten people in the Bible. I'm sure glad that we're not like that, right? But he loves to empower people and strengthen them. And all the while, while he's empowering them to build his kingdom, he's also building relationship with them. And, and this is just kind of the beauty of the way God works. And probably all of us feel on some level unqualified or whatever, but let me show you the biblical framework. Go to the next one. So, the term baptize in or with the Holy Spirit is used as a technical term six times in the Gospels and Acts. Um, some people think, well, this is just talking about salvation, but the Bible goes out of its way to show us, no, this is a thing. And in fact, you'll see there's the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's John the Baptist saying, you'll recognize the Messiah because he will baptize his followers in the Holy Spirit. And yet, he doesn't really explain what that is. Then Jesus, on Acts 1-5, Jesus says, hey, I've died. I've risen again from the dead. You put your faith in me. The day of the resurrection, I appeared behind locked doors with you, and I breathed the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. It happened at that moment in the Greek tense. He infused, emphuseo in the Greek. He, he put the Holy Spirit inside, just like when you put your faith in the resurrected Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And he said, even though you have the Holy Spirit inside, I want to dunk you drench you in the Holy Spirit in a couple of days. The day of Pentecost, we read that. But then to kind of put the bookend on it, 
that bottom one, Acts eleven sixteen, is a big deal. This is 12 years after the day of Pentecost. Peter looks forward and he looks backward and he said, back on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell upon us and there was that significant um, never before experienced sign that happened to us, we began to speak with a spiritual prompting in a language we'd never learned before. And now this just happened 12 years later again with a bunch of greasy Gentiles that I didn't even think God could save, right? And this, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and empowers you and there is that unprecedented significant sign of that new supernatural language, that is when Jesus baptizes someone in the Holy Spirit. So spirit baptism is a thing, and it's a biblical thing, and it's a specific thing. And for some people, they go, well, I don't see it that way. When you say, I don't see it that way, you're fighting with John the Baptist, Jesus, and Peter. I mean, that's an arm wrestling match you're not going to win theologically, right? So it's biblical in that way, in that it's a thing. And then look at the next one. The book of Acts happens in five cycles of groups of people, or in one instance, an individual, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then for a little while after each one, it traces this spiraling outward in a good way, ripples of supernatural ministry that flow. And so this is a, a central theme. You can kind of see how it plays out. And it culminates kind of the Hellenistic writing style that Luke wrote in in the book of Acts. It culminates with the huge Ephesian revival, which is the biggest revival in the New Testament, Paul's most significant church, second largest church on planet Earth next to Jerusalem, and certainly the largest Gentile church on planet Earth. All happened after Paul lays hands on some converts of the evangelist Apollos' ministry. They get baptized in the Spirit, and kaboom, man. I mean, the gospel goes to Asia, and it I mean, it's a massive big deal. And so you see that people receiving spiritual power when Jesus baptizes them in the Spirit, and they become his testimony bearers in Jerusalem, Acts 2, Judea, Samaria, Acts 8, the ends of the earth, even Ephesus, even Aberdeen, South Dakota. I mean, God's so powerful, he even, this may boggle your mind, he even loves people from North Dakota. That's how powerful he is, right? But he wants to get us outside of our comfort zone and do something big for us. So spirit baptism has massive thematic um, information running from the Old Testament into the New. And then it has significant um, New Testament connotation, even Jesus himself. This may surprise you, but Jesus commanded us as believers to be baptized in the Spirit the same amount of times he commanded us to be baptized in water. That should hold some really significant weight for us biblically. And then we see the Bible demonstrated. And then, then beyond that, secondly, spirit baptism is functional. And this is a huge deal because the Bible associates that unprecedented, never-before-experienced thing of connecting you as a Christian, experiencing the prompting to pray in a supernatural language or pray in tongues, um, which most people, that's not even on our radar. We're like, ah, oh, that's for somebody. That's for the over-caffeinated people. That's for the, you know, whatever the, those people, right? And we go, I, you know, my gift, I don't have that gift. I have the gift of criticism or whatever it is. And a lot of that comes because people misunderstand that the Bible shows there are two very different, distinct kinds of tongue speaking. What most people are uh, familiar with and what they hear maybe for the first time, maybe you've heard it before, is when there is a public gift of tongues with interpretation. We'll explain that as a component tonight. And the Bible says of that public gift, 1 Corinthians 12, 30, 
That's not for everyone. Do all speak in tongues and interpret? No. And it's in a public context he's talking about. But the private, personal ability to pray in tongues, which is what comes as the confirming sign of spirit baptism, Paul would say, I want you all to experience this. And a lot of people, they just kind of write that off because you just kind of assume before it happens for you, you assume it's like, oh, you know, you're here praying at the altar and all of a sudden Jesus sneaks up behind you with the chloroform rag of the Holy Spirit, knocks you out, and the next thing you wake up like two weeks later in the drainage ditch in front of the church with a bean can on your head speaking in tongues, you know. They assume it to be like some kind of spiritual mugging or voodoo or something like that. But for those that have experienced it, you'll find it to be entirely different than a lot of your expectations or ideas ahead of time. In fact, you'll find yourself participating with God and experiencing Him. You're not like high or stoned or something like that. I hear people talk about that all the time. Oh, the Holy Spirit came upon me and I was so smashed and whatever. That's never been my experience. In fact, I find when the Holy Spirit's upon me, I'm not dulled. I'm heightened. I'm more aware of God's presence and more aware of the needs of people around me. And so this is something that before it happens for you, you may have some ideas that aren't accurate about it. And when it happens for you, you find out this function. So let me show you two verses real quick as we land the plane. All right, so Acts 2 verse 4, this one verse has more data and detail about exactly what is going on while someone, a human, is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then the second verse is 10 verses later. So they were all filled. The Greek word filled there is not, like we have the idea of filled as, a, as an interior thing that happens in a container. And this word in the Greek is more of a saturated, drenched. So that maybe that helps some people. So they were saturated, drenched with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's been living in them for, uh, for some time now. Uh, and they began, who began to speak? The people did. So you will have the onus, the responsibility of giving of your voice and of your speech. Um, your voice will come out. It will come out at the volume level you choose. It's usually quiet at first because people are unsure. But, um, and it's not like whoever's screaming in tongues is getting a more powerful baptism than those that are whispering in it. We all have different levels of freedom and different levels of, of ideas and all that stuff. This is a uniform product from the Lord. And when you get baptized in the Spirit, whether you're whispering in the corner all by yourself or whether you're doing backhand springs and running around the church screaming and yelling, it's the same voltage, right? And so this is important. They began to speak with other tongues. Other in the Greek is heteros, another of an entirely different kind. Paul would later on even give more clarity and call it the unknown to you, the speaker tongues. Right? So it's not like, oh yeah, I went on that missions trip and so when the Holy Spirit moves on me, I think it was Guatemala, I'll say Gloria a Dios, you know. Or uh, people sometimes try to sneak in like El Shaddai. Cut it out, man. That's an Amy Grant song. Don't do that, right? So, okay. It's another of a different kind, uh, heteros glossius. Glossius is, uh, is a language, right? So they begin to speak in a language that was unknown to them, as Paul would modify. An, another of a different kind language, as the Spirit was giving them what? Utterance. Now, that's a peculiar word, isn't it? You probably have said that twice in your life, and both times it was reading the Scripture out loud or in church or something. Like, it's just not a normal word that you'd use, uh, unless you're like a dairy farmer who can't spell, maybe. I don't know. I can't think of any reason. But 
But the same way in the Koine Greek, the New Testament was written in, that Greek word apothengami um, is a very bizarre word. Like Paul is the technical New Testament author. He's the one that like really has a huge educated vocabulary. But Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts, um, he has the second highest vocabulary. But this word, that utterance word, apothengami, is way above his pay grade. When you read this in the Koine Greek, this word jumps out and you go, ah, who's been reading a thesaurus lately, right? Like it stands out as being an elevated beyond his normal, you know, like, kind of like your little toddler comes in and you go, you need to go to bed, Junior. And he goes, what is this, a totalitarian regime? You know, you go, what the, have you been watching Sesame Street? What's up with this, you know? It's that kind of a thing. It jumps out to you. This word utterance, apothenga, my apo to send, like an apostle is a sent out person, apo to send. Thengamai is basically data, information, or inspiration, urging, or content. The idea is that you are speaking, but you're not speaking things that are original to your own thinking processes. You are speaking what someone else is sending you to speak, right? It's actually used in secular literature in the first century, non-biblical, but secular literature, of which there's a lot of it, to describe the action of a prompter in a play when the actors forget their lines. Someone else sends them, tells them what to say, right? They began to speak in a language they had never learned before, another of a different kind of language, as the Holy Spirit was sending them the data or sending them the urging. That helps us know what to expect, doesn't it? You and I have a role to partner our speech with the urging and promptings of the Spirit that come to us. And this is super significant because, um, you know, in a moment we'll be praying, we'll be seeking God. And the moment you begin to pray and ask Jesus to baptize you in the Spirit, you're going to sense the Holy Spirit start washing over you. And it's at that moment that you, you're not looking at your brain, hmm, what am I going to make up and say? Because that would be an artificial experience, you know. But instead, you're trying, your brain is still going to work. How many of you have a brain? See what I mean about this polling thing? All right, I, I quit. I give up. All right. So, but... You're, you're gonna, your brain's going to process and whatever. That's normal. But when the Holy Spirit moves upon you, where do you feel him? Somewhere in your thorax, right? Somewhere in the inner being. And it's there where you draw your attention. You draw your attention to the inner being where you sense and experience God. And if you'll quiet down when the Holy Spirit moves upon you and just draw your attention to him, he will begin to start sending you the data, sending you the urging. Most people, like I found, they're praying, oh, Lord, I love you. Thank you. Fill me. And then Jesus starts pouring the Holy Spirit upon them, and they get a little excited, which is cool. And they go louder, faster. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Fill me. You know, they get in these verbal boot loops, you know, things. But often I'll just go respectfully and kindly, but I'll tap my hand on their shoulder and say, hey, do you feel the Holy Spirit upon you? And they're like, yeah. I go, well, why don't you just quiet down now? Stop trying to speak out of your brain and just quiet down and draw your attention inside to where you feel the Holy Spirit. And they'll go, oh, and then they'll just start speaking in this supernatural language of prayer because they just didn't know where to look. You look in the inner being when the Spirit's moving upon you. We normally think and speak, but this is more kind of feel and speak. But you, you don't do that in, when you're eating like Taco Bell or Taco John's or whatever you got here. But you do it when you're praying and you sense the Holy Spirit upon you because you can do things you can't normally do when the Holy Spirit's upon you. But here's the real functional output. And can I invite Rachel and the team and whoever else is wanting to come play instruments to join me on the platform real quick? All right. So this is 10 verses later. So the top one happens in a private prayer meeting. 
that gets some attention of others. And then once the attention of others happens, then Peter took his stand with the eleven. He raised his voice and he declared to the crowd. Remember, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and thousands of people got saved, right? Because remember, spirit baptism is about increased ministry power on your life. And Peter's like the great test case because he, you know, he struggled. I mean, you remember the story, right? He couldn't even acknowledge his faith to a servant girl around a campfire. Remember that? And now on the day of Pentecost, after this broken person even denied the Lord and, you know, just a mess. And he gets empowered with the Holy Spirit. And there's an obvious elevation of spiritual power in his life. God was guiding his words. So now he's in this private prayer meeting. The Holy Spirit's moving upon them and giving each one that sign to speak in that supernatural language. But now when Peter stands and addresses the crowd, the Bible does not say he spoke in tongues, but he preached to them in their known language. In fact, his sermon is transcribed in Aramaic. It's transcribed there. And something cool happens. Remember that weird word utterance? It's only used three times in the entire Bible, only used by Luke, and it's always used in this Holy Spirit is guiding me to speak thing. This word that gets translated often as declared in our English Bible is actually the word utterance, apothengamai. And when you're reading this in the Koine Greek, because you've got to remember, the Bible is not an English book. It's a Hebrew and, and Greek book, right? So it's a different culture. We're reading a translation which are awesome and they're great and they're helpful and they're accurate. But sometimes we miss some of the word plays that go on. If you're reading this in the Greek, this jumps off the page to you. You go, I see what you did there, Luke. You made this word jump out. And now all of a sudden, oh, I get it. If you can trust God to guide you to speak in the unknown tongue in a private prayer meeting, how much more afterwards can you trust God to guide your known language to speak to other people? Oh, in this private prayer meeting, you're gently, with no social consequence, you're calling me out of my comfort zone to trust in you to get the promptings and what to say. But now when I'm at the gas station across the pumps and I know I need to talk to that person, but I don't know what to say, I just quiet my heart in the same way and I, I find the Holy Spirit's prompting inside and, and I just speak to them in the known language. Oh, I've seen this happen so many times in my life. Not because I'm some great soul winner, but because this is the function of spirit baptism. He wants to help us. And I don't know about you, that to me removes... A lot of the tensions and fears that people have, oh, it's going to get weird. They're going to dim the lights and turn the Yanny music on, and then we're all going to, you know, uh, turn on the, the smoke and have some weird experience in here. This turns into you and I get to climb the mountain of God individually like Moses and yet together in the same place. And as we do, the Holy Spirit's going to fall upon us, and he's going to throw the breadcrumbs in our trail uh, in a way that causes us to get outside of our comfort zone and trust him and yet with no social consequence because it's just you and I seeking him. And he wants to teach us and instruct us that when the spirit of God is upon us, we can do things we've never been able to do before. He'll guide you and prompt you in a moment. When you begin to pray, you'll sense the Holy Spirit fall upon you. And when he does, that's when you quiet down and listen. And he'll begin to give you the utterance. He'll begin to prompt you, urge you. You may be aware of one sound or three sounds or 20 sounds or syllables or words that are unknown to you. Your brain will right away dismiss it. But I want you to think right now, not one of you have a funny sound or syllable floating through your head. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it will suddenly be there. Or alternately, 
You may not know exactly what to say, but you'll feel this urging, bubbling up. What am I? I know I'm supposed to speak. I know I'm supposed to do something. And in that moment, if instead of putting like money in the offering, you just put your sound and your voice in the offering, it feels so vulnerable and relax. All of a sudden, you'll find new words wanting to form in your mouth. You'll never be out of control. You can stop anytime because God's not a bully. He's just trying to teach us. Just like a new baby learns language from the culture of the language of the parents around them, God is trying to enculturate you in his kingdom language so you can share, you can speak, you can say what God wants you to say. Would you stand up with me all around this house? Take a big old stretch, reach for the sky. Remember, don't sneak out or you're going to get stomach virus, all right? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you so much for this great church. Thank you for these dear friends, Lord Jesus. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll help each one of us to just move closer into obedience before you and understanding who we are in your kingdom and to your power and your grace. And I pray, Lord, in these next few moments, as we just begin to pray and seek, that you will make it so easy for people to receive from you. I pray that all kinds of people would just accidentally get healed in this prayer time that you minister grace and wisdom and help because we don't gather together just to celebrate some historical event. We gather to celebrate a living, constant, present, future, and past reality. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would come and meet with us as we pray. While heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed, maybe there's some in this room you say or watching online, you say, I've never given my life to Jesus, but I want to. Today's the day. It's your time. And God is waiting for you to respond. He sent the invitation to you. This is probably not even the first time you felt his invitation. But today, if you say, I want to make things right with God, I know I'm far from him. I want to ask you to do something. You just wave a hand at me. Say, hey, that's me. I'm not going to single you out or embarrass you. But say, hey, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. If you're online, you can just pop a comment up. I want to give my life to Jesus. It's very easy to get right with God. But it requires your own activity. You have to pray to call on the Lord and ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins. Put your trust in him and he'll come wonderfully into your life right now. In fact, if you already know Jesus, would you just begin to quietly pray and ask him for a fresh cleansing from sin? Would you do that? But do it verbally. Don't pray silent. That's for chickens, man. Come on, at least whispers. Lift your voice and own it and feel the vulnerability. If you want to receive Christ, you could simply pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against others. I have sinned against myself. And I cannot fix that, but you can. Savior, would you save me? Would you wash me clean as I put my trust in you? I welcome your Holy Spirit to live inside of me from this day forward. And I now belong to you, King Jesus. Rule and reign in my life. Thank you, Lord. Come on, can we just out loud thank the Lord for his salvation and for his kindness to us? I love you, Jesus. You mean everything to me, and I just want to know you more. I want to be more like you. I'm so tired of being like me. I want to be like you. Would you come and change my heart and change my thinking and change my pursuit and my goals? 
Lord Jesus, would you come and just begin to baptize people in the Holy Spirit today? Come on, it's just us. All the mean, judgmental people stayed home. If you say, hey, I'm super hungry to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, would you just come get out of your seats and join me at this altar today? The first one up here gets a free Ferrari, so don't miss that. No. Come on, come on. Prayer partners, would you come and join me? All over this house, if you got to sneak down from the balcony, we got stairs. But come and join me. Come and join me right now. Prayer partners, would you come and help me right now? Come on, let's just begin to lift our voices in this house. Oh, Lord Jesus, wash over me, I pray. Wash over me, I pray. Oh, I need you, Jesus. Come on, come on. Don't wait for someone else. It's your time. It's your time. Be filled. Be filled. I know it's the Dakotas. Nobody wants to be first, but come on, come on, come on. Now, the last slide, the last slide has three steps on it. Would you hit me with that last slide real quick? Check out these. This is the three simple steps, easy steps to receive. You got that? I think it's the last one. Uh, no, the very end one. There we go. If you would keep that on the screen, here's how easy it is to receive. Seek, draw near to Jesus. Find, you will recognize when the Holy Spirit falls upon you. You'll sense Him. And then third, act. When you begin to sense those promptings, try it out. He doesn't make you speak. He only leads you to speak, right? And he's trying to teach you the function of how to do supernatural ministry outside. Come on. If you're hungry, some of you say, hey, I know those folks are still coming, but you say, hey, I want a fresh filling in my life. Get out of your seat and join me. Would you come? Come on, come on, come on. Let's begin to lift our voices to the Lord today. And prayer partners, if nobody is here for you to pray for, I'm sending you out to go lay hands on shoulders and pray for people in the room, all right? Come on. Let's just begin to seek Him. Would you draw near to the Lord with me in prayer? Oh, Spirit of Jesus, I hunger for you. Come on, apply yourself right now. I give myself to you, Lord. I give myself to you, Lord. Yeah. you Jesus yes I do I want to draw near I want to draw near that's it just open yourself up to him right now oh I love you Lord I love you Lord I love you Lord I want to behold your glory choir in your temple across this room, would you just ask Jesus to begin to pour out His Spirit upon you? Come on, just ask Him out loud. Yeah, that's it. If you like, sometimes even reaching a hand to Him is a sign of childlike vulnerability. Just invite Jesus to freshly anoint you with His power and His Spirit right now. Slow down and follow the breadcrumbs. He'll just wash over you today.
find as you seek, the Holy Spirit will just wash over you in waves. He'll wash over you intensely, and then He'll give you a moment to kind of stop and think. If you'll just re-engage, another wave of His presence will wash over you. Lord Jesus, thank you right now. Thank you right now. Come on, if you can find that utterance, if that's there, would you just yield to that as you're able to across this room? Some of you, this is the first time that you've ever heard about this and the first time it's ever even been on your radar. And it, later on this week when you're alone, you're driving your car, you're going to pray and Jesus will wash over you. You know what to look for. That prompting will come. Just begin to cooperate with Him. It's a sign to you, a functional sign. He's going to guide your words. Come on, just one more time. Would you lift your voices with me? And would you just invite a freshness of the Holy Spirit to wash over your life? Oh, Jesus, come and empower us. Come and strengthen us. And Lord, come and heal your people right now, I pray. Strengthen grace. Strengthen grace. like, oh, I feel like we need to go, or, but I want to stay here. It's, it's a good thing. 
And a pastor is probably going to come and set you free in a moment if you need to. But if you're praying, you just stay engaged. Honestly, that's why all of this is here. So you can meet with God in this way through prayer, the normal way we receive from God. But how many of you have a healing need in your body? If you have a healing need in your body, you're going to stand in for someone. Just lift a hand wherever you're at. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but just right where you're standing. Just hold it up. What a great thing that we can bring our needs before the Lord. Would you just begin to ask the Lord to heal you or heal your loved one? And if you're standing by someone with an upraised hand, it would be really cool and brotherly and sisterly of you if you put a hand on their shoulder and just begin to pray for them. Lord Jesus, we just welcome you to come and heal your people. Good shepherd, heal your sheep, we pray. Oh God, bring your kingdom and power right now into our friends' lives. Bring restoration and grace. I pray that each one would feel that they're not alone, that you're with them. And then, Lord, that new strength would enter their bodies right now, God, that you'd resolve and remove disease from their bodies, Lord Jesus, that you'd heal injuries, Lord Jesus, that you would reset systems of the body, that you would just work in such grace and power. Good shepherd, heal your sheep, we pray. Heal your sheep, Lord. Heal your sheep. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Feel God's power really strong in the knees right now. He's healing all kinds of knee conditions right now. Lord, would you just do millions of dollars in knee surgeries right now in this room? Thank you, God, for healing every kind of sickness and disease, every kind of injury, every kind of ailment. I pray even, God, later on today, people would discover, hey, that problem's no longer there. God has touched me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, would you just begin to thank him out loud with your voice right now? There is none like you, Jesus. There is none like you, Jesus.
Lord, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you're here in this place. God, that you give good gifts to your children. Lord, thank you for fulfilling us today. Lord, we're grateful. Lord, we pray that you would just continue to move. God, continue to move. Lord, may, may we not hold back. But God, may we press in. May we lean into what you're doing today. Lord, we know that this gift that you give us, it's not, it's not for us. But Lord, it's so you can use us to touch others. Lord, that you can give us the the words to speak to others, to to make you famous, God. It's to build your kingdom. And so, Lord, we we pray that you would continue to pour out your gifts on your children. God, that that you would would bring healing today, that you would would baptize us in your spirit. Lord, we want more. God, we want more. I encourage you, come find a place at this altar. Come find a place just to seek after God. When the Holy Spirit releases you, you can go, you can head out. Stop by the, uh, check out the books and the different teaching materials before you leave out in the foyer today. Be sure to come back tonight, invite a friend who who needs more of the Holy Spirit in their life, who who needs Jesus. But, But don't leave until... Holy Spirit kind of says, all right, you know, it's time. These altars are open. We want to pray with you. We believe that God's going to continue to do incredible things. God's going to continue to fill you with His Spirit.